Now I'm speaking with Ben Ahrens, who is a personal friend as well as a health and performance coaching expert. So Ben, thank you for talking to me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about what you're doing right now with the with the, the biomedical stuff, and then I want to talk a little about your history and then mm-hmm. and then the book. So let's talk about what you're currently working on. Absolutely. So um, I'm currently executive vice president at a company called Innovative Medicine. We work out of Midtown Manhattan. And we are doing research and development and primarily focusing on educating medical doctors in a new paradigm of personalized medicine that really takes personalized protocols, personalized treatments uh, to a whole new level and focuses on a particular type of blood analysis that goes, without going too deep into explanation, that goes beyond even the genetic factor to uh, evaluate the blood based on something called resonance. So it's a little bit different from biochemistry. The basic kind of rundown is that it arrives at um, extremely personalized programs of treatment that have proven clinically over the past 12 years to get uh, astounding success rates. And I'm actually, part of my health is, is much uh, tribute to that uh, success. Cool. So, what, and, and so then I want to get right to that, basically. And, and your diagnosis of Lyme disease, and it, I mean, pretty much it almost killed you. So l- let's talk about that. You know, what happened and sort of how you recovered? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as many people know, unfortunately, in the Northeast, Lyme disease, uh, chronic Lyme is a fairly prevalent problem. Uh, For many people, I'll just preface this by saying for many people, uh, they get Lyme and it's not a massive problem. It doesn't lead to chronic degenerative type of conditions. Uh, But for a subset of people, for a few, it does. And I have, uh, you know, a lot of insight as to why uh, that I'm not going to get into at this time. It's really a topic of discussion unto itself. But for this case just suffice it to say that my condition was extreme as delineated by uh, severe demyelinating polyneuropathy. I was bed bound for three years. Uh, NYU Langone Medical Center actually did a study of me and through a series of spinal taps and upwards of nine brain scans found that I had the highest titers of Lyme uh, in the spinal fluid and uh, on the western blot. And uh, I had uh, brain lesions in the prefrontal cortex and everything. So basically, I navigated the conventional route doing uh, long-term high-dose intravenous antibiotics. I had a uh, peripherally inserted catheter uh, stitched into my arm and inserted in my heart for about a year uh, doing bouts of intravenous rocephin. Um, All the while, my condition continued to decline to the point where I could barely figure out how to cook an omelet or tie my shoes. So it was like uh, dementia. I was diagnosed with MS, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, all of these sort of hard to uh, understand complex conditions. Now, the, the neurological aspects are, are kind of the most, I mean, the most scary because that's, that's when Lyme disease becomes fatal, really, when you have, right. when you have the neurological effects. And it's, it's astounding to me how you went from being in a neurologically depressed state where you couldn't tie your own shoes to, to being able to overcome this. So you know, what, did, what was the turning point? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you're right. Once it goes into the central nervous system, uh, it, it tends to uh, basically short circuit the central nervous system and cause a whole host of problems. Everyone's going to react in a very different way. Uh, again, in my case, it was, you know, dementia and all those type of symptoms. And the way it can actually lead to uh, fatality, as it has in many cases, is through encephalitis. It basically causes inflammation of the cerebrospinal fluid, uh, brain inflammation, and can lead to death in that way. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, I wound up in the hospital several times. It was not pleasant. 
uh, how I overcame it uh, is really through, uh, number one, dealing with the most immediate and the uh, physical factors, which are treating the infection itself. So I navigated and found my way to a clinic that was doing a much more integrative type of therapy where they were ad addressing uh, things like the total load of toxicity. They were addressing, of course, the bacteria themselves, but in ways that were a little bit more uh, you know, subtle and gentle, I'll say, than uh, just long-term high-dose antibiotics, which, which can actually increase toxicity and add more uh, stress and pressure to the whole system. Uh, so they had a very intelligent approach of putting this together. Um, and that really did wonders for the physical part. Now, even after the uh, bacteria was, was eradicated, or we might even say just suppressed to a level where it wasn't really a primary factor, I still found myself stuck in a negative feedback loop of these symptoms that would keep me uh, basically bedbound. I would go for a walk around the block one day and wind up literally in bed for about a month just trying to recover. Um, not to mention there was, you know, burning sensations, there were phantom pains, there was blurred vision sensitivity to light and sound and all of these types of things. And that's where a compilation of research led me to uh, different types of neurocognitive rehab, primarily using um, neurolinguistic programming or NLP, um, of which I'm now a practitioner, and uh, different ways that I assembled through study of, of habit design and science of small wins and things like that to basically interrupt a negative pattern. Even if it seems like a strictly physical or physiological pattern, there's, the mind is extremely powerful and the mind is key here in that you can choose how you're going to respond to a particular symptom. Now, this might sound like I'm saying something to the effect of, well, some of this is in your head. Uh, absolutely not. All of these physiological effects, the symptoms I'm talking about, absolutely go into the body and everything can and was, in fact, in my condition, uh, measured very, uh, very precisely. I am saying, however, that these symptoms do uh, come back into the head because you become consciously aware of the pain you're in. Of course, that's kind of like saying, well, if you put your hand on a stove, you're going to realize, you know, oh, shit, the stove, the stove is hot. Now, you can choose, actually, there's a point at, at any uh, discomfort where you can choose how you're going to respond. Uh, this is easier said than done. It takes a lot of training, and it would sometimes take uh, upwards of 100 times a day reminding myself not to overreact to these symptoms. And there are very precise and systematic ways in which I'd go about doing that using these NLP techniques. Um, but through that process of continuously disrupting the negative feedback loop and eventually replacing it with a positive feedback loop, basically choosing to not um, associate these symptoms with something that was extremely negative, harmful, or fatal, I was actually able to create physiological effects such as lowering cortisol, increasing positive hormones, and um, basically increasing the types of uh, hormones and biochemicals that lead to healing and decreasing those stress hormones that lead to continued degeneration. Wow. Okay. So what does, what, is, what does that sort of protocol look like once you've dealt with the infection and, you know, sort of like neurological regeneration stuff? Like what is, what is the, are there supplements? Are there, other, you know, other than NLP, like mm -hmm. what, what does that protocol kind of look like? Yeah, you know, while I mentioned, you know, first thing off is the physical aspect, which was uh, uh, absolutely needs to be addressed. 
And I also mentioned that Lyme in some cases, Lyme is just kind of a, uh, I'm going to use it almost as an umbrella term and as a good example because Lyme, Lyme you know, has it all. Of course, there's, there's tons of neurological ailments out there. There's tons of complex chronic conditions these days, as you know, Crohn's being one of them. Um, all of these, the one thing they have in common is that they're always multifaceted and multisystemic, meaning it's never just one thing. People like to place the uh, blame on one thing so that they can attempt to find a, a silver bullet to eradicate that one problem. And, you know, the, the logic says if you eradicate the one problem, you'll end up back uh, at full health. Unfortunately, with these types of complex chronic conditions, uh, you're always dealing with a multiplicity of factors. So it's more of a total load problem. You're dealing with stress, psychological and otherwise. You're dealing with uh, malnutrition, inability to uh, absorb nutrition, uh, high toxicity, inability through the lymphatic system to properly detoxify yourself. So yes, you're right. On the physical aspect, uh, there were nutritional supplements involved. There was, of course, just things like fish oil, vitamin D, uh, you know, high dose multivitamins, some intravenous therapies as well. Uh, but things like, really, like what? What were, the, what were the intravenous ones? So a lot of the uh, intravenous ones were uh, there was you know some chelation in my case to uh, help extract the heavy metals. Um, but the protocol that I underwent, the medical protocol, was really a very holistic and integrative uh, you know view of the body. So it wasn't just going in and saying, okay, heavy metals are the problem, therefore we're going to extract heavy metals using chelation. It, it was also a question of why are the heavy metals a problem? Uh, for instance, is it because uh, you're living in an area where you're exposed to high heavy metals or the, the water that you're drinking is you know extremely high content of heavy metals? Or is it that uh, your lymphatic system is impaired and the organs of elimination, such as the liver, kidneys, and lymphatic system, are not equipped to adequately deal with a normal, quote-unquote, normal level of heavy metals? Or is it a combination of both? So the, the kind of magic in this protocol is that it's able to go in and, for the evaluation component, decipher precisely what the source of these problems was. So in my case, it was a combination of both chelation, but also taking some homeopathic remedies, some natural remedies, uh, and some pharmacological remedies to uh, upregulate, you could say, the organs of elimination to basically do their job more efficiently so that I ultimately wouldn't need all that much you know, chelation. I would be able to just become more efficient at excreting what's not advantageous to my body in the first place. Did you uh, were you using any liposomal glutathione, for instance, or yes? So so those were those were key. Um, also, um, uh, phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylcholine for phospholipid exchange uh, post the antimicrobial phase of the therapy, which was essential for basically regenerating a lot of the uh, damage that was accrued throughout the uh, you know several years of of illness. Okay, so now let's, okay, and, and we could get actually very deep into the weeds on this, but I think we're going to lose some people. So uh, what, let's talk about the, the, the book and the, the set point concept, because this is mm -hmm. really exciting. So, mm -hmm. Right, so based on my whole experience, based on upwards of 100 patients that I uh, you know, spoke with and interviewed throughout my, uh, my experience, and now working as executive vice president at Innovative Medicine, I've had the chance to uh, interview and, and speak with some of the top medical doctors, physicists, scientists from around the world. 
uh, I've begun to formulate a, a theory uh, that I'm trying to encapsulate in a book, which I'm working on at the moment, called The Set Point Effect. Uh, it's not a brand new theory by any stretch of the imagination. It's more of an extrapolation of an existing theory, which is called set point theory. But uh, basically, the set point theory was something that came out of the 1950s, which aimed to explain uh, why a person's body fat or body composition would settle at a certain point. Uh, let's say, you know, six weeks or 10 weeks after they begin a diet. So whenever someone would make a seemingly dramatic shift to their lifestyle, they always seem to settle at a certain body composition. Now, years later, they would uh, extrapolate this concept and apply it to psychology, and they've kind of retooled it as the hedonistic treadmill theory or the set point theory of happiness. Yeah, they just they like to give things a you know fancy new uh, cover. But basically, they've done those kinds of experiments that I'm sure you've heard about where they, they've taken people who are uh, you know, going along their lives and then they either like win the lottery or a second group of people that like becomes paraplegic or undergoes some massive accident. And what they found is that over about a six month period of time, their level of happiness, contentment, acceptance uh, seems to settle back to a certain baseline uh, that it was at before. So what I've done in this book is taken this to the whole next level. I say that we have a certain baseline, which I call the set point, that is the hidden determinant, or you could say the initiation point of, yes, our body composition, our happiness, our strength, our thoughts, our physical strength, physical performance. And I've applied this in certain very specific ways using, using NLP, using visualization techniques, uh, using meditation to show how if you make a change, not to the external part of what you're doing, let's say your goal is to you know, increase your physical strength in the gym, um, but using the same type of visualization techniques that athletes have been using, musicians have been using for, for decades now, you can actually make a change to your baseline, to your set point. And by working on that level and making a change to that area, the intended goal will actually happen what I like to say effortlessly, that sounds like a bold statement, but it's actually true. It happens virtually effortlessly as the outgrowth of a natural process. So it's kind of like the downstream effect of making a minute and subtle shift to an upstream problem. So the key really lies in be able, being able to identify that your, your set point, whatever is your sticking point. So we all have these points where we feel stuck in life, whether it's stuck with your you know, body fat, your body, uh, body weight, strength goals in the gym, sleeping, uh, success in different areas, you know, overcoming fears. Um, we all have different sticking points. So the key, I argue here, and, and uh, try and tie in as much research and experience as possible, is not to try and force change from the outside in, but to simply identify and make small tweaks to these upstream uh, set points that will have massive effects in the downstream or what we you know, say is the, uh, the end goal. Yeah, so I, you're basically saying, screw you, homeostasis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in, in a way, in a way I am. Uh, homeostasis is, again, that sort of idea. It's, uh, it's determined by literally a belief system. And like I found in extreme examples in myself, where I experienced many, many uh, examples that I'm going to account for in this book of what would otherwise be, uh, you know, termed spontaneous recovery. I believe that in medicine now, and with the advent of uh, of quantum physics into the medical arena, we can actually delineate all of the pathways 
and uh, and precise processes responsible for uh, changing these baselines and for for creating physiological changes in the body simply through thought alone. There's been tons of research done on this. Uh, Bruce Lipton, Biology of Belief, has gone into this. Uh, James Oshman, biophysicist, have done great work on this. But the, the basic conception is, yes, homeostasis is, is uh, for lack of a better term, more of a state of mind than something that's set in stone. Can you give us some sort of like a practical example of something that you might want to change and how you might go about doing that? Absolutely. Um, so one that I've actually done uh, recently is, uh, you know, the example that I just mentioned, changing your uh, level of strength in the gym. So let's say you want to increase your strength on a particular lift, uh, you know, say 50%. Um, now, it's important to note that we like to think that our strength is a product of, of uh, how much muscle you have and that there's some kind of direct correlation there. But we actually know that that's not true because we all know the example of the 90 pound mother who runs out and sees her child trapped under the truck wheel and can lift the truck. Uh, we also know from experience that when you go into the gym, let's say if you you know pulled an all-nighter and you haven't slept for 24 or 48 hours, you go into the gym, uh, you're only able to lift about half as much as you were the day before. The reason being, it's not because you've all of a sudden lost half of your muscle mass that is just gone. It's because the central nervous system lacks the ability to sufficiently recruit the muscle fibers that are needed to contract that amount of strength. Um, so as I like to say, and when I was doing a lot of coaching and personal training, your body can handle it. The question is, can your mind? Um, so a very specific you know, way of how this would go into effect uh, is visualization before a workout or perhaps first thing in the morning. Um, if you visualize yourself doing a certain lift with X amount of weights going through all the steps, uh, and I urge people to actually try this, uh, go into a state of deep relaxation, you know, take 10 or so breaths or something and just really, really relax your mind, relax your physiology. Um, another component, not to go off on too big of a tangent here, uh, but any exertion that you do is only as good as your ability to recover from that exertion. Uh, polarity is one of the, the things I talk about in the book, and it's this what's called the superwave theory that for every peak, so a peak in this case would be you know exerting yourself in the gym, there must be an equal and opposite valley or, or period of recovery. Uh, similarly, it's almost like the bottom, you can envision it of the bottom of a, a skateboard ramp. If you want to get a full vertical lift on the upswing, you need to be able to go to the bottom of that valley and build up enough momentum. And the way that's done in the uh, physical realm is actually through the mind in training, not just your exertion mechanisms, as you know from, from your time as endurance athlete, um, and I know as well from coaching a lot of endurance, endurance athletes, uh, everyone is very focused on training their uh, exertion mechanism and doesn't even very much consider training their recovery mechanism. So if, yeah, if you preface going into the gym and, and performing a high exertion lift, for instance, by training to go to a very deep place of recovery um, and doing that through uh, breathing, through meditation, through, through a visual, visualization, and then come out of that uh, basically following up your visualization uh, with a lift that mimics what you just visualized, you just watch what happens. You'll find your strength improve dramatically. Um, one key tip to actually implementing this is something called the science of small wins. And this is something that I use every single day 
uh, and had profound effects where basically I was able to reverse two years of what I called conditioned failure when I was sick and unable to uh, do a lot of physical things. I conditioned a, a lot of failure responses in myself, basically where I would set certain goals, physical or otherwise, and I would fail to meet them. It created a very powerful negative feedback loop, which I overcame in about two weeks' time simply by implementing the science of small wins. So for instance, um, it was very hard for me to you know, get out of bed to just you know, go to the shower, to stretch, to do anything. It just felt absolutely uh, exhausting at all times. Uh, so what I started to do was set extremely tiny goals for myself that I knew I could accomplish, even if they seemed difficult, which at times they were, such as, okay, tomorrow morning I'm going to get out of bed, I'm going to do a kneeling hip flexor stretch for one minute on either side, and that's it. And then I would do it. And every morning I would lay in bed, I'd visualize exactly what I was going to do, even if it was that one thing, or then eventually I would add, you know, hip flexor stretch uh, plus take a shower or uh, stretch plus shower plus brush my teeth until it was slowly more and more. But the process of simply setting up a neural network that supports you uh, visualizing yourself doing something and then doing something is what I call habituating success through the science of small wins. So going back to how that works in the gym, the, the key is not to go insane with this. It's not to say, okay, I'm going to visualize myself lifting, you know, 400 pounds when my max bench press has only been, you know, uh, uh, 225 or something like that. You don't want to do that because then you'll end up in a conditioned failure feedback loop if you do, and you likely will <laughs> fail to achieve that goal right off the bat. Instead, pick something that you believe, you truly believe you can do, or maybe you've done before, and stop about uh, 20% shy of your maximum. Do this for two weeks. So let's say my you know normal bench press is 225 for 10 repetitions. I want to build that up to 315. Um, and I know that I've done 315, but I, I am not able to do it for 10. So you're going to visualize yourself doing it for three. And you go through that process. You go through the relaxation to train the recovery mechanism to get that full valley so you can launch into the peak. You visualize yourself doing it for three, and then you do it. And you do that, you know, uh, two weeks in a row until you literally condition a success feedback loop uh, in your brain and in your body where now your central nervous system is in contact, the gears are engaged, and you're literally uh, carrying out what you've told yourself you can do. It creates a very powerful response, and it's one way to begin to move the needle and change that set point to uh, uh, make incredible gains. That is totally awesome. <laughs> um, well, so Ben, we're basically out of time here. And this is, I mean, this has really been great. And again, Ben and I are friends and we talk about this stuff all the time. And it's, just, <laughs> it's so cool to hear this in a really sort of uh, succinct and, and intense way, actually. So, uh, so where, where's the best place for people to find out more about you and what you're working on? Great. So uh, two things. The, uh, the limitlessself.com is where I blog. You can find a lot of these uh, articles and things that I post about this type of stuff. That's the limitlessself.com. I also set up an event. This is the first time that I'm ever offering uh, an event of this nature where I'm going to be providing this specific type of set point coaching or set point regulation therapy, as I call it. Um, and for that, that's going to be in the beginning of September. There's a limited number of seats. And I've actually set up a promo code just for your listeners, Ari. If they go to changeyoursetpoint.splashthat.com, 
<clears throat> that's changeyoursetpoint.splashthat.com and enter the promo code less doing as one word they'll get 30% off and that's going to be a 90 minute uh, presentation practical application and Q&A session on exactly how you can change your set point pertaining to uh, physical and mental well-being well thank you and Ben and that's very generous for you to offer that to the listeners and we're going to have links to all this in the show notes so don't worry if you're driving your car and you can't write that down it's going to be there and uh, Ben thank you so much for your time it's been great talking to you thank you Ari it's been a pleasure